you're listening to episode 58 of the Urban Yogi Podcast, featuring Mr. Jojo Romero. I met Mr. Jojo Romero at Troy Casey's Man Clan a few weeks ago, uh, which is a men's group that, uh, that Troy runs, and right away I was inspired by this individual. We felt a, a, an immediate bond. Uh, Joe is a Marine Corps veteran, and he's now uh, a shamanic healer. He has used different natural methods to overcome post-traumatic stress disorder, uh, hypothalamus burnout, anxiety, depression, and suicidal thoughts. He is a practitioner of Wim Hof Method, Montauk Chia, Qigong, uh, certified health nut, and shamanic facilitator of ayahuasca ceremonies. Jojo's mission is to help people overcome their traumas and get the most out of life. I hope you enjoy my interview with Jojo I've got my new buddy, Jojo Romero, in from Arizona. And I met Jojo through Man Clan, Troy Casey's new men's group. And um, basically, Jojo, if it weren't for Jojo, I wouldn't have gotten to have like the most amazing quarantine offering of quarantine, which was to get to study <laughs> with the grandmaster, the Taoist sexual kung fu grandmaster himself, Montauk Chia. So thank you, Jojo, for telling me about that because that was super life-changing for me. Yeah, yeah, no problem. I, I, I just saw it and I was like, I was like, something in my soul just told me this is what we ha- I have to do right now. And so that's awesome. I, I rearranged my whole life so that I could make time to, to do Montauk's nine-day course. And it was, it was basically everything I thought it would be and more. Like Montauk Chia as a teacher, like, and the knowledge he has, he basically got me from. Hey, just interrupt you just for a second. It keeps clicking. I don't know if it's hitting your shirt. Oh, okay. Just so that we. Is that better? That's better. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. Um, he, he's, he is one of the best teachers I've ever met. Cause I, I went from barely being able to feel energy because I thought I could feel energy before. But after this, I could feel everything. It was like, it, I turned on the lights in the house, you know? That's awesome. Yeah, it sounds like you really resonated with his teachings as well. Uh, when did you first discover Montauk Chia? You said uh, London Real? Oh, yeah, yeah. I, you know, I, I suffered with my, my sex urges my whole life. Uh, it was just constant, constant, like, torrent of sexual energy. And... You know, I was told, "Oh, just control it with your willpower. Just control it with your mind and stuff like that." Mm-hmm. And it it wasn't working at all. You know, I'm sure you know you can see like how priests and other people who try to suppress their sexual energy, it it ends up just backfiring in them, and they end up it ends up blurting out in different ways. And like there's there's scandals going on in the yoga community that are mm-hmm. kind of backing that up. That just suppressing the sexual energy is not enough. Totally. And, yeah, and so I saw Montauk's uh, where he's talking about controlling your sexual energy and how to actually harvest that to either rotate it back in your body to heal yourself or mm-hmm. to rotate it up to connect the spirit. And I was like, this is the missing piece of the puzzle. I was like, this is right on. And so totally. ever since then, my sexual and sexual urges, and I, I have complete control over it now before where it felt like it was controlling me. That's awesome, man. Listen, there's still a click. Maybe I'll keep mine on. If you take yours off and just use the computer speakers, let's test that and see if it's any better. Okay. 
cool. Here we go. So tell me a little bit about, so you're a war veteran. Were you in Afghanistan? Yeah, yeah. I deployed to Afghanistan twice, uh, Helmand province area, once during the freezing summer and once during the, the squelching hot. Wow. Like one of my, one of my fondest memories, uh, I, I say this sarcastically too. One of my fondest memories over there was, um, we had a vehicle and, uh, it was about 140 degrees outside. So, uh, and we have flat Kevlar and everything we're, you know, and then we're in vehicles that are meant for nothing to get into it. So we had a, we were on a convoy and the AC broke mm. and we can't, we're not in the military. You're not allowed to leave here anywhere. So we had to get that vehicle to a place where it could be repaired. And so the option was to turn the AC, I mean, AC, the, the heater on full blast and blow ourselves with hot air while it's 180 degrees outside. We're in a vehicle that's not meant to take explosives and we're in full gear. Okay. I, looking back, I think I stroked out. I had a stroke from that. Because I, I had a lot of cognitive issues post-military that I had to find ways to clear up before afterwards. It sounds like, like a hot yoga class from hell. <laughs> hot yoga class from Afghanistan. Yeah, Afghanistan. <laughs> <laughs> crazy hot yoga in the desert jesus wow how old were you when you were over there because you're 36 um, so i'm 36 now and i was over there in 2010 and two th in the end of 2011 hmm. so let's see i joined in 2008 i was 24 so i was 27 27 wow. and 28 when i when i deployed over there okay cool Wow, so that's what a what a intense thing to go through uh, being so young. Um, did it affect anything um, in terms of like your sexuality or like being able to uh, be in touch with your sexuality? And, and did that influence your journey into shamanism and Montauk Chia stuff? I would say yes, because you know I I would say we have a pretty toxic way we view sexuality in the United States. It's very repressed. We're very very cut off from our sexual energy. Even, even now when I do Qigong, I have to really, really, really focus to turn on my Dantian and my lower sexual energy centers. I fill it up really high with my heart and my head very easily. And I'm like, I have to like shove energy down there to get it activated. That's like me. That's totally my same, similar story. And even with the yeah. Kundalini, it was always about bringing the energy up. And so that didn't really help so much. So, yeah, because energy's already there. <laughs> yeah, we're already having a great time up there, trying to get it back down there. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. So I really like the Montauk Chi stuff because, like, up the back, down the front. Yeah, and we were, we were. I was, I actually just did an amazing Qigong session with uh, one of my friends today, and uh, she's a Bakwa Qigong practitioner. Cool. And she learned it traditionally in China, and so I was like. Now I'm learning all these like cool, like energetic, like Montachia taught us how to make an energetic pearl and how to send it to other people and how to rotate around our body to get different effects. And um, I was like, let me contact her and I want to see if this would work on a distance. And so we got, we got the Zoom call going and uh, I made my pearl, I sent it to her and I ran it through her. And she was using her Bagua Qigong and she was sending it through me and rotating at me and changing the shape of the energy. 
And we were like, okay, we were like saying, what did you, what we were trying to do? And like, oh, I was trying to do this. I'm like, that's exactly where I felt. It was so amazing. It was that's absolutely amazing incredible. that you could yeah. actually feel it and you could visualize it in each other. Yeah. Yeah. This stuff is powerful. So according to my understanding, he, Montauk Chia kind of has amalgamated a bunch of teachings from ancient China and like brought it to the West and made it accessible to Western minds. Is that true? Yeah. Yeah. Actually he talked about this in his, in his class. It was like on the day, it was day six, eight or nine, I believe. But he was saying that where the particular type of Qigong he practices, it was in between India and, and uh, China and the mountains. So it's, it's an over a 2000 year old practice of that specific type of Qigong that's fused with uh, Indian Vedic culture and Taoist culture. So it's not, cool. it's not a purely Taoist practice. It's a, it's a mixture of Indian Vedic and Taoism. Oh, that's really, so is it kind of like Tibet area? I wonder. Um, he didn't say what mountain range was, and uh, I don't, and no one thought of asking him. So, somewhere in that area between India and China. That's yeah, really yeah, somewhere on the mountain range there. Wow, wow, it's amazing. Uh, all this stuff is becoming so. Like you found out about Montauk Chia through London Real, and for listeners, that's like a, it's kind of like a show where a lot of like young young gentlemen around our age, like we're, we're interested in the guests that Brian Rose has on because we're, you know, there's sort of this movement in our age group uh, where we're into like biohacking or like self-optimization and showing up and spirituality and shamanism and ayahuasca and meditation and Kundalini and like all these different things. And so it's a show. And anyway, um, the host had Montauk Chia on and apparently Montauk Chia's son was never really into what he taught until he was on London Real. Now, yeah, now, yeah, that is yeah. cool. He's like, now Dad's cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember that. I remember hearing that. Yeah, yeah. And one of my teachers, um, Jonathan White, he's this guy from the Midwestern United States. I'm not sure exactly which one, but he. So he's been practicing uh, this stuff and teaching it for a few years, and um, it's it's amazing. Like it seems like there's this new wave where more and more people are getting into it, and before it was just like maybe one demographic of people, but now it's spreading and like everybody wants to learn or more, more and more people every day seeming are seeming to want to learn things like meditation, yoga, breath work. It's like this, it's a beautiful time to be alive. Yeah. And actually, um, I'm not sure if you were in this class or not, but he's saying that's actually because where we are in the universe, that this is oh. happening. He's saying we're switching, we're switching stars. Uh, he says that the, he says, according to Taoism, how the planet is rotating and where it rotates to is based off the energy of a certain cluster of stars. Uh, I'm not going to try to say them because I'm not going to butcher them, but he's saying that we're, the planet is actually shifting from a more masculine uh, star influence to a more feminine star influence. And that's cool. And so we're, that's what he's saying. That's what we're feeling right now. We're feeling that shift from a, masculine controlling dominant uh way of thinking to a more feminine dominant energetic way of thinking that's beautiful yeah so what would be really cool would be would be uh kind of like the egyptians did where they very much respected the feminine and they very much respected the masculine and instead of like masculinity is terrible you need to stop it or femininity you're terrible you need to stop we need to control you you know it was they had a very respect for it and they liked to bring it together. Kind of like Montak Chia's teaching of his sexual qigong, 
where he's talking about, you know, if someone brings a feminine energy to the relationship and someone brings a masculine and they combine them together. Yeah, that's beautiful. Yeah, I was reading uh, his book, Multi-Orgasmic Man. And because uh, I did ask him on the call about, you know, two girls together or two guys. And he was saying, yeah. even in that context, one usually assumes the king role and, you know, one assumes the queen role. But in, in his book, there was another layer um, which is like when two people of the same gender come together, they sh- it's like they sharpen each other's yin energy. Mm. If it's two women or if it's two men, you know, being intimate, they sharpen each other's yang energy. And wow. he, yeah, so that was, that was sort of the missing piece I was looking for. And he didn't really go into it in the, in the call, but, but I was reading it in his book and that, that really resonated with me because a lot of guys, you know, when they get together, they're, they're not really interested in, in me teaching uh, SEMA retention. Usually my classes are actually filled of straight guys, guys who are mostly having sex with women. Yeah. And I think that's partly because when two guys come together, they're like charging each other's yang up. Mm. So it becomes like even more yang energy that they have to dispel. And so the idea of retaining their seed is like, whoa, why would I want to do that? I have all this masculine, uh, all this yang charge. Mm. You know, I just want to, I want to ejaculate more. Um, so, I think it's really important. Like if guys, if guys are having lots of sex with other guys, other guys, or if guys are being intimate with uh, masculine essence to women, they should eat lots of melon <laughs> and like earth a lot, like do a lot of yin absorbing things to balance that out. So, so men, what do you, what do you mean by melons? Could you, could you clarify that? I'm not oh, really true. Cause, uh, cause there's certain foods you can eat that are, have a yin essence. So, oh, okay. Yeah. So what foods have a what foods have a yin essence? I know for sure, like cantaloupe, all the mm-hmm. different types of melon. You don't mind just turning down your speaker just a bit because it's echoing and and the audience is irritated by that. Okay. Sorry. I um. Or if you have another set of ear earbuds, but I think that should be fine. How's that? How's that work? Is that working better? Hello. That's better. Yeah. It was just like okay. everything I was saying was being echoed back to me. And I know the audience is going to be like, Oh, that's annoying. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, <laughs> there we go. Okay. Awesome. Um, yeah, it was against yes. my computer. It was, it was bouncing it off. Oh yeah. No, no worries. So, um, yeah, so yin foods would be like, um, I think like chlorophyll, um, definitely lots of greens, um, melon, mm. watermelon, cantaloupe, um, coconuts, coconut meat, coconut water. Oh, okay. That's very yin as well. Those are very yin foods that people can eat to balance out for young. So even if it's like a, a dude who's in a relationship with a, a very masculine essence woman, that, that could also be like a hot tip for them to take away. It just depends on how, how you feel. But I, I definitely noticed when I was being really intimate a lot with guys, I was getting really overheated and very unbalanced. And I'm not saying that being gay is unbalanced, but I will say the more I practice semen retention and being kind to myself and, you know, abstaining from alcohol and earthing and balancing myself out, the more hetero flexible I become. Mm. So I spent most of my last 10 years feeling very homo flexible, predominantly into men, but now I'm feeling myself predominantly into divine feminine essence beings which is yeah. interesting, yeah. especially since practicing Iron Crotch Qi Kung and inner, inner alchemy, energy fasting, and other Montauk Chia techniques. Yeah, the, I think there, I think, and I can, I can really, I can really correlate this with you because um, I, I started becoming way more conscious of my 
yin and yang energy. And so uh, one thing I started doing acupuncture uh, about a year ago. Mm. And one of the things that they said most of my symptoms came from is I was way too yang dominant. I was like, that makes sense. I was in the military, you know, I could right. definitely see very yang dominant. And so I started exercising in a yin uh, method and started, I didn't know like yin foods, but I was just doing my exercise more, like more yoga, more like barefoot walking. Yes. That's another one. Barefoot walking, super grounding and, and balancing. Cause the, cause the earth is yin. Mm-hmm. So it's like you're absorbing the yin through your feet. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. That was one thing I learned from, um, from certified health nut. Cause I did a retreat with him in February and he was like spouting the benefits of, uh, Oh, that's awesome. Was that when he was in, Oh, your sound is cut out. Yeah. We can't hear you now. There we go. Sorry. A little technical difficulty. That's what makes it exciting. (laughs) Um, so yeah, so yin and yang. So we both, both men and women possess the yin and the yang energy Montauk teaches usually males will have more yang energy and usually females will have more yin energy. And what I've really found is the more I cultivate my yang essence, so the more I breathe into my balls, you were talking about how like it's really easy to bring the energy up to your head. Same thing with me. Once I started to actually breathe into my balls as Elliot Hulse teaches, um, you know, and then practice semen retention. So I'm actually building my testosterone levels and my semen levels and, and my ability to bring my consciousness down into my sexual center, my manhood. Then I actually have a stronger masculine pull, a stronger yang pull to work with. No pun mm-hmm. intended. And, and then <laughs> therefore you're gonna want you're gonna want more yin energy then eventually then. Yes. Whereas before it's like I was drinking, I was doing cocaine. I was unbalanced. I wasn't spending any time in nature. I was eating shit food. Well, no wonder I wanted to dick up my ass. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right? It's like, <laughs> you're so, I was just like so unbalanced. I was just like, and maybe that was something because I was very feminized, right? From all that, like eating all that food, mm. a lot of you know, estrogens in it. So maybe, yep. maybe on a biological level, my body was like, I need some young energy. That's why I'm attracted. That's why I want to do these sexual things with these dudes. I'm just posturing. Are you okay, are you okay with cursing on, on your... Uh, oh, yeah. They all have explicit... My, all my episodes have explicit warnings. So. Okay, okay. Yeah. <laughs> get so um, I, I bought into uh, you know eating and drinking soy milk when I was younger, and it fucked me up really bad. It took you know, years. It took years to heal from that. Uh, and I, and maybe maybe I'm still even suffering for it now. I'm not sure. I'm I'm doing a lot of fasting, and I'm trying to re-zero myself to find out where I am. But back in those days, uh, it caused me to grow, uh, you know, boobs. Man was, boobs. Energy was low. I had sexual dysfunction, like at 18 years old. Did it, it make was, your dick shrink and your balls shrink? Uh, no, it didn't do that, but. It was but energetically you, you you were having sexual dysfunction, like in terms of like not being able to get it up kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. And I was 18 years old, so it was not a it was not a, you know, an, an it wasn't like an abusive or age thing. You know, it was that it was specifically soy. As soon as I cut soy out, it took me about six years to heal from that completely. But 
my problems started going away. Wow. And is that like soy milk? Like I'm thinking like silk soy milk from Starbucks or what, what exactly were you eating? Yeah. Silk soy milk. Yeah. That was the, the one I was using. Yeah. Cause I feel that there's probably, that's probably multi-layered, you know, we're working for Purium. So we know about the damaging effects of glyphosate. So I, I'm postulating that it was the soy estrogens. It was the GMO soy. It was the additives. Cause it's, cause silk soy milk is not just pure soy. They add like tons of uh, fillers and binders and, you know, different, mm. different mm. natural flavors. Like who knows what the fuck they put in that shit. So I feel like it was probably multifactorial. Like you were being poisoned. Not only were you being xenoestrogened by soy, you were, yeah. be, you were being like poisoned by glyphosate too. I'm sure they, yeah. they spray Roundup on all that shit. And, and uh, I was doing some research into glyphosate and um, apparently it, it severely can disrupt the testosterone um, sperm count levels in males. Really? Wow. Yeah. Not only does it fuck up our gut and cause a film on the, on the walls of the gut so that the cilia can't fully absorb our nutrients, which would mm-hmm. affect your potency, right? Because if you're not getting yeah. nutrients, because the only reason why we feel potent uh, you know, and vigor is because we're healthy. So it, not only does it fuck up our, our, our core of our health, which is our digestion, it also lowers sperm count and uh, fucks up our, our testosterone levels. Wow, that's you know that that's a very good case. It might not have just been the the soy purely because yeah. it, it might have been different if I was eating like non-GMO. It was yeah. like ethically cared for. Because I find I, I can had- eat I can eat like organic soy that's been locally harvested on like Salt Spring Island, uh, you know, in it, especially if it's tempeh. Mm, yeah, because tempeh has been fermented, so the estrogen levels are lower as well. Are you familiar with uh, Dr. Gundry at all, the Plant Paradox book? I've heard of it. So uh, I read those books, and that was those were a real game changer for me. Uh, he he talks about the dangers of lectins in your diet. Oh so, yeah, is that in tomatoes? Lect- yeah, lectins are really high in tomatoes, nightshades, uh, seeds, nuts, um, and so. But he was talking about, he was, uh, and then he also mentions the book called The French Paradox. Are you familiar with that one at all? The French Paradox? Yeah. Oh, is that like how the French people can like eat lots of croissants and drink wine and still be like healthy? Yep, exactly. Yeah. And what does and he say in that? Is it because they're not having GMO shit? So, so, and I, and I know this because I've been to France before. They care, they are very meticulous about how their farming and stuff is done and what they'll accept in their country. Mm. And they're very, it's like at a very high level, like at the governmental level that they, they care about what the food that goes into and how it's made. And they're very sticking to the traditions. So like, uh, um, like soy, not soy, uh, wheat there, they like ferment it before they make the bread. Oh. So, and he was saying that a lot of cultures, like you say, like traditionally, like Indians, they take this, they burn the skin out of the peppers and they remove it and they remove the seeds and they just eat the pepper in the inside. And like uh, the Italians traditionally do the same thing with tomatoes. They char the outside and they de-seed it because those are where all the toxins are or they fermented it like tempe because it was, that's, those are the two fermenting is hundred percent gets to where, uh, rid of the natural plant toxins out of things. Oh, that's, interesting. Mm-hmm. 
So it's important. So would you say that according to that book, it's maybe not the healthiest thing for, for, for men or anybody to be eating like raw tomatoes because of the lectin content? Uh, with that, with the seeds. Yeah. With the seeds, the seeds. And okay. The seeds. Yeah. Seeds and skin. So you're, you're upping and everyone can, everyone can handle a different amount of lectins. Yeah. I, I'm extremely sensitive. So I can tell when I press my threshold, cause it'll kind of get like a tired feel because of the lectins are taxing my system. Even if I'm eating like organic GMO vegetables and fruits that have high lectin contents. Right. Right. It's amazing. It's like um, we've been so dumbified as a culture um, that it's yeah. hard. You know, it's it's hard to really uh, get sensitive enough to know what how foods are really affecting us. Like I remember when I was young, I was living off like frozen macaroni and cheese, which I found out recently is filled with xenoestrogens. Yeah, um, yeah, I heard that the know? frozen foods are super high in them. Yeah, yeah. So it's like you know, and then everybody's just like jacked up on coffee. And another interesting thing I found out recently is like the Kundalini yoga as taught by Yogi Bhajan is very, it really jacks you up. Mm. Um, it's very young. It's very um, uh, sympathetic in terms of a nervous system situation. Mm. Like he yeah, yeah. was like, eat, eat garlic, eat ginger, eat onions. It's your holy trinity. Eat it all the time. You know, get up at 4 a.m. Have a, have a ice cold shower for 10 minutes. And then, you know, do two and a half hours of like, like breath, like breath of fire basically for like three hours, <laughs> you know, it's like, and then to cut, tie your head really tight. Don't have sex. Like no wonder, you know, <laughs> no wonder I was feeling a little bit out of balance. Um, I yeah. was discipline element was good for me. One of my breathwork teachers was saying, well, you know, it's kind of like you were a drug addict. So you went from a chaotic lifestyle to order. He said chaos, order, and then freedom, I think was the third stage. So I feel like now that I have some sort of semblance of structure, which came from the Kundalini training, now I'm sort of being more freestyle and I'm not, I'm not following it, you know, exactly the way Yogi Bhajan taught it. I'm creating my own thing and I'm fusing it with Montak Chia's work. Finding yeah, out, it's, it's, and, and people don't really think about, you know, is what I'm doing yin or is what I'm eating yin or what am I doing is yang or what am I doing is, is uh, yang or eating is yang. And it actually really, really affects us because we need a balance in our life. Mm -hmm. If we are too much yin, you know, then that's just as bad as being too much yang. So if you are like a predominantly yang person, you want your exercise to be more yin. And when you do that, your life just balances out because uh, I also, I basically fried my hypothalamus from being in the military. Oh shit. And so, so your hypothalamus is that's where the uh, pituitary gland is, eh? Yeah. Yeah. And in, and pituitary gland and pineal gland, it's the, it's the controller for it basically. Okay. And so I wasn't having any dreams. I wasn't able to get in a parasympathetic state and like the smallest adversity, like, me not being able to find my keys in five minutes would make me break down and start crying. Oh, and that's so, it's so intense. I can empathize. Yeah. Has I've that happened moments. to you? Yeah. I've had moments like that before, like certain times in my life where I've been super out of balance and then noticing, yeah, finding my keys, I'll like start crying. I, I totally have a memory of, of that happening to me. It, 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 and, and not a lot of people realize that they're in this, you know, overworked hypothalamus uh, sympathetic state and 
they don't know how to get in a parasympathetic state. They don't know how to relax. They don't know how to calm down. And, you know, since the military is so yang, 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 it basically fried my hypothalamus. It took me years to heal from that. About four years. It's just the last two years that I've actually got back control of my emotions and my stress response. That's, wow. Good for you for being able to, you know, take time for yourself to come back into harmony with yourself. Congratulations. It's like, it's like food. Like you were saying, like if you eat, you take a break from something that's toxic, then when you eat it again, your body, you're going to know like right away, like I challenge anyone on here to take a 30 day fast from fast food and then eat fast food again. And I'm not talking about like the better choice, like grass fed fast food that like Carl's Jr. used to have or something <laughs> like that. Like have the nastiest stuff you could possibly think like, uh, you know, maybe like Taco Bell and then feel how you feel after that. And you're going to notice like after a 30 day fast of fast food that you're gonna, your body's going to be like, whoa, hold up. Wait a minute. What you doing here? You know? Hi, Yogi's just a little interlude here from the interview. We just had a little uh, glitch there, and we're going to come back with the interview right now. I hope you're enjoying my interview with Mr. Jojo Romero. That is so amazing, and I, I am actually an empath too. I don't know if you know it. Yes, but, I feel uh, that from you. Yeah, yeah, and I had no idea. I just found out about a month ago, and so now I'm, you know, I'm very conscious of who I let around me and who I let in my energetic field because just like food and Montauk Chia talked about in this class, either people have a positive energy field or they have a, a negative deficit energy field. And fortunately, most people in this world, because they don't know how to practice their energy and they don't know how to build their energy, have a negative deficit field. And so when they come around, and that can vary, you know, they might have just a slight one or they might have a massive one. And so they might be like a, they might be, so like there's actually a thing to it energy vampire this guy's got bad energy or i got a bad feeling about this guy there's it's actually a quantifiable thing that's happening it's not just in our heads thank you yeah yeah well you know it's it's i'm trying to think of a good analogy here but um okay say someone like wears like heavy metal boots right mm-hmm. like like i mean like like start like lead weight boots and they're walking around with them and they keep stepping on your toes and making you bleed. You know, I don't think it's wrong to let someone know, Hey, you know, your energy is really bad and you need to take responsibility for it. You know, and it's not, it's not a thing, you know, I, that's not, I don't love you any less or I don't care about you any less, but you know, whether you realize it or not, you have a negative energy state and you're, you're harming everyone around you, you know, and you can, and either they can choose to, you know, Hey, maybe I need to take more responsibility for my own energy or, or know that they're, they're like that and that you can only spend so much time with them because you know, that's going to drain you. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. It's, um, and I know, like, I know what it's like. Cause like when I was doing the cocaine and stuff a few years back, like I, my energy was shit too. So like, I'm not saying I'm holier than thou. I oh. guess it's almost like an, it's like an alcoholic learning to become sober. Like they, they probably wouldn't do them very good to, you know, sit in a bar every night with alcoholics if they're trying to become sober. Yeah. I'm trying to like have a clean, open energy field and love myself and, and focus on the positive and, and, um, 
really just be in a state of like self approval and self acceptance. So I know like on a subconscious level that if I hang out with these types of energy vampires, like it'll be a lot harder for me to maintain that new state that I've cultivated. Mm, yeah. Yeah. I, I totally, I totally feel that. And yeah, I'm not holier than thou either. I had shit energy for a longest time. Yeah. My energy was shit too. I, I kind of noticed there was a pattern that was going on with me and I noticed that people were like really cool with me at first and then slowly over time. And, you know, I was being what I thought nothing but kind and respectful to them. My relationship started turning sour with everyone. And I started noting this over and over again. And, you know, I was like, okay, well, maybe this is me because it, it can't be that everyone is going to have this pattern. It's just, it's mm -hmm. impossible. And so I started taking more responsibility for my attitude. And Tony Robbins hit me up to this first thing and I realized I had a really negative personality. Hmm. And so I corrected that. I switched that to a positive, but the same thing kept happening, even though I went to a positive attitude. And then I started learning how to control my energy. Hmm. And that was the final, that was it. Because my energy, even though I was acting in kindness, people were still slowly turned against me over time because my energy was shit and I was my energy and my traumas within me were bringing them down because right. we can either become a positive energetic field for other people or we can be a negative and you're going to be one or the other. And if you don't know about, if you're not controlling your energy, you're probably going to be the latter. Right. So what were some of the steps you took to be able to control your energy and be a positive force? So, Oh my gosh. Uh, are you okay talking about entheogens on your, on your show here? Oh yeah, that's totally fine. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, so like I said, I started controlling my, my, my behavior and I was doing Wim Hof and I was doing uh, Qigong and I didn't know about, I didn't know about one uh, talk at this time. And so I started, I found out about, I started, I started finding out about London Real. I was listening to some of other speakers like Joe Dispenza and stuff like that. And he was talking about how you have to reprogram your baseline. And so I started doing, I started doing Joe Dispenza stuff. I was listening to like uh, Greg Braden and really like taking more charge of my subconscious programming. Hmm. And I started running into a wall where I realized that while Wim Hof was controlling all these things, it wasn't getting to the root of these issues. And so I was like, I need to take more drastic measures to heal these methods, heal these things within me because there was still the PTSD and the deep rooted traumas. Mm. And uh, I also was using my GI bill and going back to school and I was having trouble studying. I was taking like eight hours of study after school every day. And I was like, that is not effective. I can't do this. And bless his heart. One of the teachers there was doing a class called drugs in the ancient world. And, Oh, you cut out again. Okay, go for it. Okay, okay. Uh, yeah, so, uh, you know, I, I was like, I had all the, I was just in class with, uh, and he was going over ancient drugs like Soma and how all the ancient cultures basically incorporated marijuana in a positive way into their culture as a healing modality, not like a party drug like we use it now. Mm. And 
they were talking about like uh, we're talking about Paul Stamets on one of the weeks in the class, and so I was like Paul Stamets. So I find out more about him, and he had some massive cognitive issues uh, all the way up into college, stuttering, learning disabilities, and he did a massive dose of mushrooms, and that completely cured him of his stuttering, his cognitive learning issues. And I'm like, what? No way! And I had like I had traumatic uh brain injury from the military from being on convoys and rocking around and being near a lot of IEDs going off and being near uh near mortars going off and so I, I i took it upon myself to do a massive dose of mushrooms and it was one dose it, all it took my cognitive issues went away my learning issues went away and I went from having to study half an hour, I mean, from eight hours a day to half an hour. It was absolutely out of this world. Did you do that by yourself or with like a healer or how? No, I actually, I actually, I didn't know anyone who was a healer. I looked for a while and I couldn't find anyone. And so I studied Paul Stamets' work and I kind of found out what it was, like learned about set and setting. I, and after I pretty much watched every YouTube video I could find, with Terrence McKenna on YouTube. And I kind of, between that class I was taking and his studying his stuff for six months, I kind of figured out what it was, what it meant to do a ceremony, how you had to set it up for a ceremony. And I took myself through one. Cool. And it was a beautiful, amazing healing experience. Nice. Yeah, that's, you seem like a very open-minded, like, I feel like you are really, you know, stepping into your, you know, dharma as a shaman. And, um, wow, you went through such a, a difficult, uh, traumatic uh, experience being in the military and I'm sure other things in your life too. And, and now you're, you're, you're basically healing yourself and then now you're going to be able to uh, light that path up for others and hold space for others. So, bravo. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, and actually, that's the message I got during my ayahuasca ceremony. So after I healed myself of uh, the cognitive issues, I I told my brother about how it helped me, and I realized there was still a lot of trauma within me, mm-hmm. and on and the PTSD still had a really big grip on me from you know watching my my buddies die over there and you know being shot at and. Mm-hmm. Uh, IEDs going off all the time and getting a mortar hit you outside while you're taking a you know going to the bathroom there and a mortar blows up in your fire and it's like it's like so much of that stuff is happening when the mortar went off I was kind of like I'm gonna finish you know doing what I need to here yeah yeah and when you get to that point you're in a bad spot already you just don't know it yet you know right you're so desensitized and so I, I I I I took my brother I was like hey let's do ayahuasca together, you know, cause I'm like, I told him like how effective the mushrooms had been. And so I was like refining my methodology of how to perform like ceremonies, like set and setting more. And I found out the book about uh, uh, Miyamoto in Japan about how your, your intentions you set in the water are actually very powerful. They, they have, and they can even cleanse water just by blessing it of toxins. And so I started like incorporate more of that. My brother came down and uh, with him, it was, it was absolutely terrible because we were, I was so concerned. It was my first time doing it. I was really concerned about him. 
and we were like we were like Blair Witch Project. We were like throwing up everywhere. Uh-huh. And <laughs> it was nothing but Blair Witch Project. We were just throwing up all night long. It was a terrible experience uh, the first time. And later on, I found out that that's normal. Uh, you're basically purging stuck energies inside your body. And so it's like a rite of passage of what you have to do before you get to the sweet spot. And this was the, sorry, the ayahuasca or the mushrooms? Ayahuasca. This one. Ayahuasca. Ayahuasca. Yeah, I did ayahuasca. Do you ever have purging experiences on the mushrooms or is that more of an ayahuasca thing? I'm not as familiar with with plant medicine. Um, It can happen with any of these plant medicines. Uh, They all have the ability to have, any entheogen has the ability to have a purging effect. Ayahuasca is just more intense because it's a higher, it's a, it's one of the highest level of uh, entheogen medicine you can have. Would you say that kratom has any entheogen effect or is it more like a, just a euphoric sort of tool? So this, is, this will bring me down to a whole nother path. Are you ready to go down there? Or are you ready to finish with ayahuasca? <laughs> uh, finish with ayahuasca and then go to the kratom. Because I actually, I actually had a spiritual experience specifically on this point. So I, I want to Oh yeah, that. go for it. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, so with the continuing with the ayahuasca part was uh, me and my brother came down and we did it together. And then we had a terrible experience. He wanted to do another dose that the next day he wanted me to really do. And I was like, I was kind of shaky about the whole thing. I was like, maybe I'm, I'm not as smart as I was, thought I was. And maybe I'm not as wise as I thought I was. And I was like, you know, I wanted to take a step back, kind of look at the situation, what happened. And now thinking about it, that would have probably been a really great experience with him, which I missed out on, but he left. And um, so I did another dose. I got the courage that night to do another dose by myself. And I felt more like I could surrender because just myself, I didn't have to worry about someone else. Mm -hmm. Because I really, you know, I kind of had a, you know, studying Terrence McKenna's thing, I had an idea of what it was, but I didn't have the practical experience yet. Right. And so when it was me, I was, I was able to completely surrender and that the whole experience could be a, a podcast in itself, but uh, it lasted like eight hours long. Wow. It was an eight hour spiritual experience of me leaving my body. Tell me and, more. <laughs> uh, we'll have to, you'll have to get me back on the, the, yes. the, the Right now, but I'll, I'll, I'll hit the highlights uh, of it right now. Uh, I met the the feminine essence, which was like a green lady, and she did a lot of deep healing within myself. She gave me the message that uh, basically it looked like I was full of a bunch of dirty dishes, and she was like, uh, you know, until you clean out yourself, uh, no one's going to. No one's gonna give a shit about what you say, basically. She's like, huh. kill yourself, and then and then let's talk. Not basically. Wow. And um, I also experienced ego death from her. I saw myself being lifted from her, and then she took a knife in her other hand and she slit my throat, and she poured poured me basically through a strainer into a frying pan, and then burned me up. And if I wasn't in complete surrender, that could have been a very traumatic experience, but I was in complete surrender. So I was more like I was observing and it wasn't really affecting me. Right. Wow. And then I met another uh, entity and I 
And I was just, I just kept thinking love and gratitude. Cause that was the message I was, I was getting. I was like, have love and gratitude. And so I just really, really at my core, my heart was feeling love and gratitude throughout the whole experience. And I just sent so much love and so much gratitude to the being I just saw. And then I met another being and uh, I asked her if she would please heal my, uh, my mind. And I can feel her like coming into my mind. I'm getting like nostalgic feeling like my head's being massaged again because mm. uh, my head was basically feel like it was being massaged. And like my, my issues in my tissues were being removed as it was happening. And then after that, um, I combined with a very like, um, like my primal self. And so I was like, I felt like I like got up and was like growling and screaming and like felt like it'd be like, like this beastal energy that was like flowing through me. And uh, I connected to one of Joe Dispenza's meditations, um, the pineal gland meditation. He teaches you in his uh, superhuman how to release DMT. And like, I'm feeling that connection like right now, like if I wanted to, I could do, I could start doing some yoga and start releasing it. I'm, I'm in tune with it right now. And so you, you get his meditation teaches you how to be in connection with that pineal gland. And it's kind of like you're rolling a tube of toothpaste and you imagine like a white milky substance coming out of it. And that's the DMT like releasing to your body. Mm. And so when you get, can you feel that? Yeah. So I'm, I'm telling you energetically how you do that. You're like, you feel it and you kind of like release a milky substance into you. That feels so good. So yeah, when you get in really high energetic states, like just us talking about it like this and our vibrational frequency of what we're talking about, it's making me connect to that point again, like the DMT experience. So that's one thing that you start learning these things can open gateways for us to be more connecting to ourselves, And it's like, once that door is open, it's a lot easier to open again. So, right. Can you feel that? Mm -hmm. Wow. Mm, that feels really good. Everything's yeah. brighter and, I can feel like a circ um, the energy that you're sending is helping me to secrete uh, from my pineal into my body. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so now, now you have that feeling and that's what kind of like what ayahuasca, like being in a primal, like aggressive, like energetic state, it made me be able to connect to my pineal gland like that. And cool. so when I'm in really high energetic states, I can just do it with my mind power now. Nice. And so like just this conversation we're having is putting me in an energetic state. And so like I said, it's like a door. When you do like ayahuasca or massive dose of mushroom ceremonies, you're opening that door. And then through like regular practice, practice Qigong stuff, you can complete, you start opening that door more and more and more and more. You have more in control. You're more connected. And then at will, you could just, I'm connected to my pineal gland. And you could be like, all right, secrete DMT, which you imagine like a white milky substance flowing out of it. Mm. 
That's nice. So, now, I, now, can you feel it like washing over your body? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm having a little trouble bringing it down to my lower centers, but it's definitely like here. And that's just something I need to work on. Do some tapping and just let it come down. There we go. <sighs> so something something I just found out recently is that uh, I'm an energetic conduit. So when I get in energetic states, I can pull people through spiritual experiences. Mm-hmm. Like I'm connecting with you right now with the peel blend. Mm-hmm. It's awesome. Yeah, I had a I had a buddy. Um, he's he has kind of a questionable life, and he uh, he very much he uh, like a real big pothead, and so. We come, he come over and we talk about spirituality every once in a while. And I'd partake in some of the entheogens he had. And this one time I started popping off. I started getting into the energetic state I'm in right now, where I feel like if we went and we stopped right now, we just did like yoga and mantra and breath holding that we could pop off like really highly energetically. I started feeling like right now, like we are. Hmm. Uh, And he's like, what's that feeling? And I was like, and you want to go do some Wim Hof with me? Then listen to some ayahuasca music. It's like, I could, I could pull you to somewhere really, really cool right now. And so he went on like a six hour journey while I was sitting over him and slowly rotating energy inside me. And we were, we did like Wim Hof for like 30 minutes and he popped off. He was gone. He was in our space. That's so cool. That's so beautiful that you can provide that experience and be that, catalyst you know it's like it just shows that you know you can get higher in your own supply and that you can help inspire that within people yeah it's beautiful and and what what, um that was one of the messages i got at the end of my ayahuasca experience because i made it to what people call in uh ayahuasca the white room and let me try to convey how that feels to you Mm. like this it's just like complete love and gratitude like you're in absolute love Mm -hmm. yeah i feel that i feel um it's like when i did a bunch of agaricon mushroom on a plane once (laughs) and i like got really nervous and i was like no just relax into it and then i felt this exactly the feeling you're transmitting to me right now so that was probably the most intense experience i've ever felt i was just my my body was a mess i was shitting myself pissing myself i was on the floor convulsing but i was gathered i was in a white light and it was the most amazing thing i've ever felt i just never want i never want to come out of it and i started getting the message telepathically uh teach other people how to get here teach people how to do this Mm. and uh after that ayahuasca experience, I started getting spiritual messages and experiences as about one super intense one every month. So I've had about 12 just super profound out of this world energetic experiences where I'm meeting like spiritual beings. They're giving me message. I'm connected to an energetic computer that's flowing through being, but not of me. Mm. And when I'm in this state, I can bring other people energetically to that state as well. Mm. 
thank you for sharing your gifts. Yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> That's great. Thank you so much for having me on this. I'm like so grateful to be able to share this story. I've never, this is the first time ever I publicly am talking about this because I'm getting, really? yeah, I've never talked about this publicly. I've told a couple people privately, but I've never spoken publicly about this before ever. Um, I'm trying to get, I'm getting ready to transition from shedding my old life as, you know, the macho man, killer, marine, to being a spiritual healer now and for people who want it and need it. That's awesome. That's brave and that's needed. So thank you for doing that. And I'm honored that you were able to share on the, on the podcast today. Oh yeah. Thank you so much for having me. And yeah. like I said, you should, I have more, more stories. I can talk about more spiritual experiences if you want, if you're, that's yeah, let's have you let's have you on again, and let's do like a whole one on on entheogens and. Oh yeah, definitely sure. Um, I was just going to ask you, I didn't mean to to switch tracks before, but what would you say about substances like kratom versus substances like mushrooms mm, and, and okay. ayahuasca? Mm. Yeah, yeah. You talked about this. You talked about this uh, earlier, and I actually got a I actually got a specific spiritual experience to this, and so. The, the, the feeling that people talk about feeling high, basically what that is, is being connected to spirit. That's what the feeling of feeling high is. That's directly what it is. And that's the message I got during one of my spiritual experiences. And so what happens is we are coated with trauma. We are, have trauma in our life. Trauma happens to us. We have ancestral trauma. And it's like an oil slick on top of water and mm -hmm. the air is spirit. And so what happens is, uh, you know, when we're meditating, we're basically like taking little bits of tissue and slowly taking that oil away, slowly breaking it down. And eventually you do that long enough and you will be connected in that high state all the time. That's what that high state is. It's being connected to divine energy. Thank you. And and so what basically entheogens do is they're like, it's like throwing a straw into the glass of oil. It allows you to connect up to spirit. And that's what the feeling of high is. And so people who are generally disconnected to spirit on a normal basis, when they feel that energy down low and they feel that energy hitting them, they feel like they're losing control of their body. But what it is, is you're just not it's overwhelming their system because they're not connected enough normally. Mm. So, um, and that, and this is like one of the, this is the techniques that shamans use because they're connected because they connect to divinity too. And so they usually take a small uh, amount of entheogen while the person who's being healed is taking a huge amount because they're connecting themselves to spirit together with that person to heal them. And that's what they're doing. They're connecting their soul back or they're rebalancing their energy. They're doing something. That's literally the science of what a shaman does. And so what these entheogens do, they allow you a brief momentary connection that you normally wouldn't have. And that's why people get so creative on some of these things where they have like these profound like visions because, and Montauk Chia talks about his class uh, and science backs this up now is that basically the whole universe is covered in violet energy and violet light and it looks like a brainwave pattern and so when you're getting high when you're doing spiritual practice 
you're basically shooting up into that mm. network. And that network is sending your, which connects to the whole universe. And so that's where these like divine inspiration or this divine thought comes from. It's connecting to a different energetic source outside of us. Mm. And so you can learn to do that and be in a controlled state while completely sober, just like straight with like prolonged Wim Hof, shamanic breathing, hyotropic breathing, uh, mantra. You can connect in that state naturally without those things. But those things amplify and allow you to connect to it if you can't do it in, the, in your basic practice. So I, I think those things like running a marathon or doing like an Ironman, they're very helpful, but you don't want to be running an Ironman every day. You don't want to be running a, a marathon every day. You're going to hurt your body. You're going to damage yourself. So these are things that are meant to be uh, taken with respect and honored and done very periodically. And what you want to do is you want to be doing your daily work workout, like your sexual qigong, your yoga, your mantra, your prayer. You want to be doing that on a daily basis. That's like going to the gym. Right. And the and entheogens are like running a marathon. Is Kratom in the family of entheogens? So it, I, I definitely feel, I definitely feel the energetic, uh, energetic ability from it. And so each of these things have a different spirit. And so even if you combine some of them together, you're going to combine spirit. So maybe even a plant that has no, uh, has zero uh, hallucinogenic properties, it has a spirit to it. So say you added a certain, you add a certain herb blend to your ayahuasca mixture, even that is going to change your experience because it's basically you know how I say you connect to that energetic web? Mm -hmm. It's basically like you're, you're, the different plant combinations are basically like typing an address in. Mm. So the, the kind of experience you have and the energetic beings you're going to have is going to connect you to a certain part of the universe. And there's going to be certain different energetic beings and different knowledge in that part of the universe. Well, it's the same thing with mantra. They talk about this in Vedic knowledge. Uh, the mantra you're, you're singing, which is a, people don't know, it's a mix between meditation, uh, spiritual work, and prayer. And so you're basically typing an email address when you're doing that kind of mantra. And if you combine that with entheogens, with yoga, with, uh, you know, Wim Hof, you're going to be very highly energetic and you're going to be typing a specific email address. And so a lot of the times uh, you can actually learn different email addresses when you're in a high energetic state like this. Hmm. Interesting. Or you can use uh, established Vedic knowledge where they give you specific mantra and that specific mantra connects you to a certain deity and each, and, and they have different deities that affect different things. So like one that connects with me is Shiva. So it's Om Namah Shivaya. And so I have a really good a really good connection to him. And Shiva is the destroyer. He he's uh, in Vedic knowledge, he's he's termed to destroy the whole 
universe and reset it at the end of uh, the yuga cycles. But he also he also removes ignorance from people, and he's also also loves to meditate. He would go thousands of years in meditation when he said he visited Earth and Vedic culture, and so he's very he's got very good mystical potencies, and he's also like some of you, if you do some of these mantras, you're not respectful with them, you can actually have a negative result because it can be very disrespectful to talk to them without taking the proper Vedic knowledge or proper um, devotional prayer you're supposed to to honor them. Well, um, Shiva is, he kind of, he's called, he's called the friend of ghosts and serpents and demons. And so, Anyone who's willing to talk to him, he's not, he's not demonic himself. He's actually a really uh, good demigod. He's, on, he's, a, he's a positive one. But he, what he means by that is if you are willing to come to him in prayer and devotion, uh, you can connect with me. I will, I, will, I will show back that devotion to you through love and knowledge. Mm. And I've connected to him on a really deep level to where I've gotten telepathic information from him specifically, like I have from these other energetic beings that I've encountered. That's beautiful. Yeah, there's something powerful about the Vedic mantras for sure. I, in the Kundalini lineage, as taught by Yogi Bhajan, there's a lot of Gurmukhi, which is beautiful, but sometimes just the simplicity of the Vedic mantras uh, can drive, can really hit it home and really connect me. What are some of your favorite mantras? Okay, so. Um, my favorite mantra is the Om Namo Shivaya, which Om. connects you to Shiva. Om Namo Namo Shivaya. So that's, that's, that's connecting. That's basically when you say Om, because it's important to know what you're talking about. So Om is connecting to the divine energy. Nama is, I come to you with respect and reverence. And then Shivaya is the specific deity you're talking to. Hmm. And then the other one is um, uh, Om Namo Vasudevaya. And so that is connecting to the Lord uh, Shiva, not Shiva, Vishnu. And I've, I've, I've also connected with him, but not as strongly as I've connected to um, Shiva. And I found out later on that you're supposed to come to him. He's very like, uh, he's like the protector of the universe and the care, caretaker of the universe. That's his job. And so he, he demands more respect when you come to him. And so I've had a little bit of communication with him, but very little. And, I, and it's probably because I wasn't coming to him in an inappropriate way. So I, I got to really like learn the actual proper way to give thanks and gratitude to him and the way that he will receive it. And maybe mm -hmm. I'll connect to him, I can come more. And then uh, the other one, and so he, he primarily will, if you're on a spiritual path, he primarily will help with protecting you, offering you protection. Cool. So offering you a little bit of protection from uh, negative things happening to you in this materialistic world while you're on the spiritual path. And then the ultimate mantra is the Hare Krishna mantra, 
Mm. And this one is supposed to completely remove from the cycle of life and death. So it's supposed to, it's, you're supposed to basically ascend, ascend to energetic spiritual being. And according to Vedic literature, you will stop having a rebirth on earth over and over again until you figure it out, basically. And so that one is the Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare, Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare. Hari Rama, Hari Rama, 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 Hari Hari. Hari Krishna, Hari Krishna, 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 Hari Hari. Hari Rama, Hari Rama, 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 Hari Hari. So can you feel that? Mm -hmm. So to me it feels like love. Mm -hmm. Like love and, and being embraced. And so Krishna, according to Vedic knowledge, he is the mo the highest, most expression of God. And so, and he has like no, he has no, like uh, how you come to him in prayer, he doesn't get offended, he doesn't, uh, he doesn't take offense and he, he accepts anyone who's willing to pray to him. Mm. And so what I noticed is that, and his, he loves to share love and he loves to be loved. So, mm what I feel really strongly when I do that one is being like, like in love for the first time almost. Like I do, if I do like hours of that, I feel like I'm in love. How often would you chant that? Like, or how long would you chant it for? And how often? So, so the complete recommendation is doing 16 rounds, uh, 108 times around the mala beads every day. Uh, I am not at that level. I've done it with a couple of people. I've done 16 rounds with them, but I'll at least do around, around four rounds a day. So one bead is what? So, so you count on a bead. Uh, so this would be one, one round. Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare, Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare. Hari Rama, Hari Rama, 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 Hari Hari. That's one time around. Okay, so one bead one bead is Yeah, one bead. And is so Hari, do Hari Krishna Hari Krishna 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 Hari 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 Rama Hari Rama 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 Hari Hari twice is one one bead. Yeah, so Hari Krishna, Hari Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hari Hari, that's the first part. Yeah. Hari Rama, Hari Rama. Rama, Rama, Hari, Hari. And that's one round. Oh, thank you. Because I, I thought you did it twice. It was one. So okay. okay. Good, yeah. Good yeah. yeah awesome. Well, and then, and then so you do 108 of those, which are considered the 108 negative uh, emotions you can have in life or experience. Cool. And so it's, it's supposed to give you protection from negative emotion. And it's also kind of gives you like Vishnu's uh, mantra. It also gives you protection when you're on the spiritual path as long as you are as long as you're moving towards him in love and devotion that's beautiful and, yeah and so i've had some pretty amazing experiences since i started doing it where the negativity that what i was experiencing in my life and i must have been a, a real son of a bitch in previous lives because i've been nothing but getting my balls kicked for most of my life with negative terrible experiences and 
once I started doing, uh, you know, rounds and that, it was like all the negative experiences I had ceased. It was like being on a little boat in the middle of the deep in the ocean and getting hit by waves your whole life. And all of a sudden you're on a calm, peaceful ocean onto a paradise island. Beautiful. From this specific Hare Krishna mantra. From this, yeah, from the very specific Hare Krishna mantra. Cool, man. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to definitely start doing it. I definitely resonate with that mantra. Yeah. Um, yeah. What, what's, what someone recommends, uh, recommends doing at least one 108 uh, a day and just start seeing how that makes you feel. And can you do it? Does it have to be monotone or could you be like, Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna? Well, you, can do it, you can do it in super devotional. I actually, I actually prefer to do it in super devotional and do less rounds. Meaning, what do you mean by like, super devotional? Monotone? Like, like, Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare. So that would be like just one beat. I see. So slowing it down and just taking your time. Yeah, yeah. And I feel, I feel that very energetically, but um, even if you are doing it monotone and doing it in a, a lot, it can have the same effect. To me, it gets you there slower than doing that really devotional way. And the devotional way you would still do 108? Yeah, 108. Cool. Uh, there's an, also an easier way to do it. There's a, there's a, uh, a method called kirtan uh in bhakti yoga and so they actually incorporate these mantras and like a a song and music and dance and festivities and so a lot of times i'll listen like um before the covid thing happened there was a bhakti yoga center around here called belva wellness and they were doing like devotional singing and chanting and through this uh, I recorded them and put them on my YouTube channel and I started like listening to him and go. I listened like, to a bit of that today on your channel. It's nice. Oh really? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's mm -hmm. under the, uh, it's under the section Kirtan. In, yes. yes. And that was, that was recordings from Baba Wellness. And so you can really take it to a really high level of love and gratitude and offering. And, uh, and it's not, this is not specific to Bhakti yoga to any religion. When you truly come at any divinity or higher energetic being, which is love and gratitude, they're going, to, if you do it long enough in the way that they want you to, they're going to reciprocate and you're going to feel that energetically. And it's going to affect your life energetically. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, in the Kundalini lineage, they, they say, you know, it's nice to have mantras kind of running through your system all the time because mm -hmm. higher frequency mantra can attract higher frequency experiences. That's their belief. So they they taught us like the Mool Mantra, for example, which is Ekankar Satanam Karatapurik Nirbonirvera Kalmurit Ajuni Sebang Guru Parasad Jap Adsach Tugadsach Hebisach Nanako Sibisach. And that's from from Guru Nanak. It's the first few lines of the Japji, which is what the Sikhs chant every morning at 5 a.m. 
can can you do that again? I just want to put myself in a really like receptive serenity state. Mm-hmm. Um, did you feel that? Mm-hmm. Like something coming from you? Yeah. So kind of, sort of. Okay, so when I was surrendering to that mantra, uh, it felt like certain patterns were being unlocked and moved inside my body. It kind of felt like, like energetic hands were waving like from my head to my heart. And then it started like going down lower into my energetic and then through like cool. my arms and legs. So okay. cool. that, that since I'm so connected to energy right now, that's what that mantra is doing. It's, I don't know if that's what he thought it was doing, but it's moving, it's flowing energy through your body. That's very cool. Apparently he disappeared into the Ganges River and then he emerged three days later singing that, mm. like glistening like an angel. Mm. So, so yeah, so I've gotten, I've gotten a couple uh, energetic lines like that too uh, through, through some of my experiences. So yeah, and uh, they talk about the Shin Shamanism a lot that, uh, that you don't make up your song, you're told what your song is by higher energetic beings. Well, yeah, and apparently that's what um, Gurmukhi is, which is that language that I was just singing, and Vedic. It's like it's from aliens, basically, like starseeds and humans um, who are in deep states of meditation can receive these sound codes, uh, basically from like aliens or other ethers. That's exactly that's exactly the um, that's exactly what the Vedic knowledge says. It was said that it was given down from higher beings to a human to transcribe it. And then it was his, and then it, someone transcribed it and then someone else got the message to teach what it actually meant. Right. It's like a revealed language. Mm, yeah. And so part of this whole thing, part of this whole process of spiritual work is that each person will have a different spiritual meaning and have a different energetic meaning. They will know a little bit of knowledge than, than uh, someone else. Like my, my expertise is healing and energetic connection to divinity. That's my spiritual gift. And that's my gift to teach other people how to do that. Yours may be completely different. What, what your energetic path and what you're being told the spirit to do uh, will be. But the key is for everyone on the planet to start awakening himself to this kind of energy and this kind of spiritual state. And when we all start putting our individual, unique spiritual knowledge together, we'll create a whole perfect system that will make, they can make earth like a complete absolute bliss paradise. Beautiful. Let's do it. Hell yeah. Thank you so much for, for being on the show, man, and for sharing all your experiences and wisdoms. I'm, you've inspired me so much. Oh, it's my pleasure. I I appreciate that.
Yeah. I have nothing but love for you. I've, I've been, I don't know. I felt like, I felt like we had a really deep connection, like from the moment I, I met you. And I'm just like, this is so awesome. Yeah. I'm so happy to have met you, Jojo. Yeah. Yay. Um, Where can people uh, find you online for your offering? Yeah, you can find me on uh, Jojo Romero on Instagram. And that's and, spelled J-O-E-J-O-E. Yep. And then uh, they can also find my videos, uh, Unfork Yourself, on YouTube, which nice. I'm going to start actually start talking about this. I guess I know I have to put the videos out there now because like, it's kind of holding off on it. And now it's like you have me on this podcast. It's like I feel like I need to share this knowledge, so I just got to get it out there. So I got to start putting that stuff on my thing there. But I have more like basic, practical health tips and wisdom on there right now, and I'm going to start getting more into this stuff. That's beautiful. You can also find me on Joe Romero on Facebook. I have a spiritual page there. Sweet. Yeah, you're welcome to add me if you're into this kind of thing. Awesome. Thanks, man. Yeah, thanks, thanks, guys, for tuning into the show today. And uh, be sure to follow Jojo Romero on Instagram and jojoromero.com. And uh, if you'd like to check out some of uh, the mantras that he's been talking about, you can. What's your YouTube again? It's Unfork Yourself. Unfork yourself. Okay. You and okay. The 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 E is a three instead. Un unfork yourself. The E on yeah, on self. Oh, okay, perfect. Okay, good to know. I'll put all that in the show notes. Yeah. Um I have some mantra music out uh as well. A, a bit of a Hare Krishna fusion chant and uh and a bunch of other chants on on uh iTunes. So I'll, I'll send some to you and see see how you like them. <laughs> perfect. Cool man. Thank you to Jojo for being on the show today. Um, what an inspiring man. Really, really grateful that I met him through, through Man Clan, and I look forward to collaborating with him in the future. Um, he always gives me great uh, wisdom from the Vedas, and uh, he's really shown me that you know the Vedic knowledge of yoga is very, very similar to what Montauk Chia teaches in the sexual kung fu, Taoist, you know, Chinese medical uh, yoga canon. It's very, very similar. So it's beautiful that this stuff has been practiced for thousands and thousands of years um you know in in the Tao and also in in um india the idea is that like the male sex organ is the masculine polarity in the body and the pituitary pineal is the feminine polarity so it's like you're basically learning how to make love to yourself through these practices which is just so beautiful uh yeah and it was really cool to hear about the entheogens and the plant medicines as well and how we can utilize those to help ourselves heal so I hope that you have a beautiful uh, evening and I wish you lots of love and I'm going to go meditate. Namaste. Namaskar. Guru, Guru, Ah, 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 Guru,
school. 